Welcome to Firm Foundation Ministries Podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you to live out the purpose God has for your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1. And we are still in our Advent series. Um, And the challenge for us during Christmas is to... Make sure that our perspective gets to see on the heart of God and how God is expressing Himself through the Advent season. And so much, I I think, of the story of the season gets lost in the chaos of the season. Um, And we want to make sure that we are clearly hearing the heart of God during the Christmas season. Now, in your notes, I've, I've just put in John chapter 1 verse 14, but let me... Give me a minute just to read for us a very familiar passage of Scripture. You might not think this is an appropriate Christmas Scripture. But watch what the Scripture says here. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. That all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and he was... Come on, church. And he was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and to his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word, everybody say the Word, became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace, full of grace and truth. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Uh, You ever get one of those scam text messages? You get them all the time. What do you do with them? Do you? You don't. You, del- you just delete it. All right, here's the key. Never say yes or no in any of those scam messages, okay? Never give your name. Never do any of those things. I was working through this scripture this week. I kid you not, working through this scripture this week, and I got a scam text message. Now, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or a different spirit that tempted me. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't tempt, but anyway... Uh, never, here's what happened. I have it right here. I get a text that says, there's a dinner party at Emily's next Sunday. Shall we go together? I said, is this Jesus? I'm working through this scripture. I promise you, you're going to see why. I, I, and, and, and the next one says, hey, my name is Nancy. Are you forgot me, Alice? Oh, this is me. I thought this was Jesus. No, this is not. 
my friend Alice, asking if I'm Alice. And then I said, really? I was hoping this was baby Jesus. No, this is Nancy. Can I ask what your name is? I said, John. (laughs) I've been looking for Jesus. Your name is nice, simple, and cool to call. I like your name. I hope you will find Jesus. Acquaintance is fate. Uh, Where are you from? I'm from Miami. I said, Jesus is my cousin. Oh, really? (laughs) Then I said, I'm from Palestine. Your place is very nice. Are you currently living in Palestine? Yeah, I have to stay here until Jesus comes. (laughs) Then I can leave. He has to take over for me. Okay. Although we don't know each other, we can be good friends. That's this person. So can we exchange photos to get closer to each other? So I send a picture of John and Jesus. I said, I'm on the left and that's my cousin Jesus on the right. It's right here. It's right here. (laughs) Oh, this moment is so delightful. Where has your cousin gone? I haven't seen Jesus in a while, but our family's getting ready to celebrate his birthday. We're going to have a big party with lots of people. This is great. If you don't mind, can I ask how old you are? I'm 34 years old. I said, oh, I'm six months older than Jesus. So how much are you? I said, I'm so old, it's hard to remember. Oh, it doesn't matter is her response. No, not really. And then I say, I really wish you could meet my cousin Jesus. He's such a light to the world. Thank you for your compliment. I'm divorced for two years. Now I'm single. How about you? I said, I don't really have family to speak of. I have pretty much devoted my life to helping Jesus. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I haven't introduced you to my picture yet. And so I get a picture of a nice looking young lady. This is me. I'm an entrepreneur and an investor. I'm one of Spostone's agent in the U.S. and run a chain of five beauty stores. How about you? I said, I'm a public speaker. Most of my talks are warning people about putting their trust in wrong things. You know, helping people see the light. I travel all over and talk to people. Oh, this is very nice. By the way, do you have WhatsApp or Telegram? I said, no, I haven't, uh, not really need those. Most people know where to find me. <laughs> uh, and then I said, thanks for the picture. I think Jesus would really love you. Thanks. And I was hoping it would carry on, but it didn't. I'm sorry. I was working through the scripture and John was on my mind. <laughs> Oh, my wife said, what did you do? (laughs) I said, I was full of joy and I was just trying to have some fun. Um, Anyway, I don't don't know. It's all, if you, (laughs) I don't recommend it. I'm, this is confession from Pastor Don today. We're going to talk about the naughty or nice list or whatever, but anyway. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's an interesting concept in the sense that in the search for purpose and the search for meaning of life, 
we wrestle through all of life. And, um, you know, even as a believer, the search is, I don't really know what my purpose is. Or, you know, this has happened to me and that's happened to me. And we've gone through some things and, and circumstances and situations of happening. And we, we just, chill, you know, my, the truth be told, even if we love Jesus, even if we love God and those things, a, a lot of our life is spent trying to find Him. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, circumstances of life have a way of robbing us of joy. Come on, somebody say amen. I just... Disappointment, frustration, loss. It can suck the life out of us. Right? I mean, listen... Our joy can be so situational and circumstantial. It can be like Brazil losing in the World Cup. And and as if that wasn't bad enough, Breno, that Brazil lost and Argentina is actually playing for the World Cup today. It's not Brazil. If you, you guys don't know, Argentina and Brazil, very, they're rivals. And they're actually winning up on France right now. So if it doesn't make it worse that Brazil's not in the World Cup, as we speak at this moment, Argentina is set, poised to win the whole thing. And if that's not bad enough, Breno, what's worse is that people won't stop bringing it up. Breno walked in the office the other morning and, and I was like, hey, who's playing in the World Cup? He's like, never mind. And he just walked out like... I'm glad, to be honest, that the Aquino Limas are not in conflict this morning. Because if Brazil had been playing in the World Cup, they might have been heathens and for some reason not showed up and claimed runny noses or something. I can... We, we know where all liars go, straight to Washington, D.C. I mean, uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Joy can get robbed. It's such a fickle thing. It's just stolen from us. And, and this time of year doesn't make it any easier. Your family issues. They can steal the joy from us. But Jesus' birth reminds us that no matter how hard life is. Come on, church. We don't go through it alone. And the truth is when you, your joy gets robbed, the first thing that comes to you is an overwhelming feeling that nobody understands. And I'm all alone in what I'm struggling with. Especially if you see other people who still have joy. The Bible says that God has come to us full of grace and truth. Watch this church. And that should bring us joy. I think it can be get... We, we all know it can get very... Like, to get lost in the gifts and the decorations and, and, and all the things. It can, it, can, it can cause us to miss the central focus of what we're talking about. What we're experiencing as, as believers and Christians. Jesus was born to bring the gift of hope, peace, joy, and love. First week we talked about hope, the hope that Advent brings. And the reason we can have hope that in the middle of our circumstances, God is faithful. Last week we talked a little bit about peace and how the sacrifice of Christ makes peace available to us. And so I want to introduce one more piece of the heart of God in Christmas today, and that is joy. You've seen the kids set the scene so powerful. The worship team set the scene so powerful for us. Let me share a few scenarios, and you tell me which one would bring you most joy. Are you ready? Let me, let me do this. If this scenario that I'm about to share, if it brings you joy, I want you to stand up. 
Now, this will go a whole lot faster if you participate. Lisa and I had the honor of doing um, John and Brittany's wedding. Uh, and it was up north of Grand Rapids a bit, three, four hours away. And um, at the same time, uh, TC and Sarah were getting ready to give birth to Sawyer, our grandson. And uh, we're excited uh, about the birth of uh, Sawyer, our grandson, and we're excited about the wedding and those things. And, and through our premarital counseling, we had said, okay, uh, Breno's going to be our backup in case the baby comes. He'll come, he's going to do the ceremony and those type of things. And, and everybody's set up and those, it's happening. And so anyway... So we had to go up the day before to do rehearsal, and it's so far away. We just stayed over the night, and, and um, you know, he, Sarah went into labor. And um, Sawyer comes on the day of the wedding. And so we, we do the wedding, and I tell them, I said, hey, I'm not going to be able to stay for the reception because we want to get back before uh, visiting hours is over at the hospital. So we're going we're gonna to say, do you, and do you, and you did, and we're signed the paper, and... and Anyway, we didn't do it that way, but it was great. It's a beautiful ceremony out in this beautiful area of Michigan up there. And, uh, man, we hit the road right after the ceremony. And uh, we're headed back, and, and we, we're, we're pressed for time to beat the visiting hours. And so we didn't get to stay uh, the, and eat dinner at the wedding reception. And we really don't have time to stop and eat dinner on the way home, because we're going to miss visiting hours. We're not going to get to see the baby. And so, man, my wife says, just pull through a drive through And so, boom, we pull off the interstate. We go through the drive through And I promise you it had to be the longest, slowest drive through line that it, you've never been there. It's like no matter what line you get in at Walmart, it's the slowest one. And I am barking. I mean, I'm like, Lord, come on. We're going to miss this. And, and, and we're going to miss visiting hours. Help this thing along. And, and, and I'm just barking about it. And my wife's like, calm down. It'll be all right. I'm like, no. How could this happen? Like, we're stuck in the line. We can't get out because of the way the parking lot. I would have just drove off. But we, we can't get out. And, and we're just stuck there. We can't leave. So we finally get around. Listen, we could have went into an, a restaurant and ate in the amount of time it took us to get through. I promise you. I, so we pull up to the window to pay, and the lady stuck out. Now, this wasn't a cup of coffee. The lady stuck her head out the window, and she said, Oh, the car in front of you paid for your meal. Stand up if that would make you happy. <laughs> like, right? Some of you sitting down are like, Yeah, never mind. I don't care about it. All right. Like someone paid for our meal. They didn't know us. They didn't know what was going on. I was just, and my wife looked at me and she said, what do you got to say now? Here you were, complaining to the Lord. And she says, just so you remember, preacher, God sees you. I'm like, hey, you wake up on Christmas morning and you find out that it snowed 12 inches. Does that make you happy? Uh, a few of you, a few of us smart people are going, no, no, I got to sit down. Somebody's got to shovel that. Can I, ask, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? What, if a, what, what is a moment in your life that because of that moment, the joy of it marked your life forever? Come on. Think about it. What is that moment? 
That because of that moment, the joy of it marked your life. You remember where you were at, what was happening. You can remember the date. You remember everything. What was that moment for you that marked your life forever? You see, here's the point. Joy is often connected to circumstances. Just hang with me, hang with me. And for many of us, our joy is reflective of this. When things are going well, we feel good. Things are going poorly, we feel bad. So our joy has a way of ebbing and flowing with everything around us in our life. The aspect of the heart of Christmas is that Jesus came so that our joy wouldn't have to fluctuate. Come on, church. That our joy wouldn't be moved by the environment or, or, or that it could remain steady as our eyes are fixed on the thing, the person, and the aspect of what our joy is built in. As John begins his letter, which is an incredible beginning, because any, 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 any Jewish or Hebrew reader that would read this would instantly go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, boom, we're going back. He's instantly connecting uh, how God is moving there in such a way that's so powerful. In the beginning, everybody's moving back to Genesis 1.1. God is birthing something. But I love what John does. Rather than reiterate shepherds, magi, manger, he gives us a big picture of what took place in Bethlehem. What he writes here in chapter 1 is the cause, is the cause of joy no matter what's happening in life. What John describes to us is called the incarnation. Church, you got to brace this because that's what Christmas is. It's the incarnation. So, so there's a Latin word. It means flesh. It means, it means God putting on skin, becoming one of us. Becoming one of us. Verse 14 says the word became flesh. It's capitalized word because it's Jesus. He's called the Word because He embodies the Scripture in human flesh. By the way, He lived here on earth. When Jesus was born in the manger. Listen to me, church. He was God coming to live among us as one of us. Skin and bone and flesh and blood. And this passage, as I read it, and I'm just working through it. My, my wife was out Saturday, you know, doing things. And I was home alone and I was just working through the scripture. There's a couple of things that happen here that shift some things that I think are powerful. Number one, we can have joy because God came to us. See, that, that gets lost, overlooked, or taken for granted in the Christian faith. Especially the longer you walk with God, the less we remember that it was God who came to us. It was God who initiated it was God who moved. It was God who shifted. It was God who did the impossible so that we could be reunited with Him. And see, there's a common misconception that, that, that right relationship with God is something i got to work for. And i got to be perfect. And i got to strive to make it happen. One of the greatest joy robbers in our lives is thinking that we could ever be good enough. Listen, I am broken. Some of y'all secretly were like, oh boy, he's a truth preacher. I'm flawed. Not out of malice, but I hurt other people. I make mistakes. 
I'm selfish. Come on, church. And if we rely on our abilities to earn our connection with God, it's no wonder we're always disappointed. Come on, church. I, I read a story of a father who, who had, you know, his, him and his wife had cleaned up the kitchen and the house, and they'd done all these things, and, 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 and they got the house all clean, and, and everything was good, and, and, and they stepped out for a little bit, and they had a daughter who was younger but old enough to stay by herself for a little while, and, and so they stepped out and they came back one afternoon, and they walked in and saw the kitchen that they had worked for hours to clean, wrecked. No mother in here has ever experienced this. And here's what he said. He said, my young daughter had obviously been busy cooking. And the ingredients were scattered along with dirty bowls, utensils across the counters and the floors that we had worked hard to clean. And I was not happy with the situation. Then as I looked a little more closely at the mess, I spied a tiny little note on the table, clumsily written, smeared with chocolatey fingerprints. The message was short. And it read this, I'm making something for you, Dad. And it was signed, Your Angel. And he says, in the midst of the disarray and mess, and despite his irritation, suddenly joy sprang up in his heart because his attention had been redirected from the problem to the little girl that he loved. He says, as I encountered her brief note, I began to delight in her. With her simple goodness and focus, I could take pleasure in seeing her hand at work in the situation that seemed otherwise disastrous. You see, sometimes we enter seasons of our life, church, where all we can see is the mess. And we've worked so hard to clean it up, but it's still a mess. And because we're focused on the mess, we can't see the handwriting of God. God is at work in your life when you don't see it. My church, from our perspective, let's be honest. If not now, sometimes in the past or sometime in the future, we're all going to be staring at a mess. Come on. And it can be hard in those moments to find reasons for joy. Let's be honest. Come on, we're human. But if we look closely, we might see God coming near to us like he did that first Christmas Night, letting us know that he's making something of our lives in the midst of us being tempted to lose hope. You see, I believe that joy is at the heart of Christmas because knowing that we could never make it to him, he came to us. People ask me all the time, especially when you start talking to people of other faiths, what makes you so confident that yours is right? Because of all the other beliefs or religious systems in the world, mine is the only one where God came to me. Every other one lays out the rules of how to get to its religious idol. Every other one makes it impossible to get there. Every other one leaves you hopeless and worthless. Everyone leaves you frustrated and wondering why or if you'd ever going to arrive. There are people of other religions who literally die hoping that they did enough good to outweigh the scales, um, balance the evil they've done in their life so that they can make it to whatever nirvana they're hoping to make. Let me tell you something, church. In this room, because of the birth 
of Jesus and his death on the cross. In this room because of Christmas. Heaven is not your destination. The presence of your father who made a way by coming to you is your ultimate destination. He just happens to live in heaven. He made a way. Y'all not helping me this morning, right? Romans chapter 5, and I promise you, I've been pushing this for a while, especially in the Bible college. If you want your life to be radically changed, if you want to shed guilt and shame and condemnation in your Christian walk, the best thing you could do is do a word-for-word, line-by-line study of the book of Romans and watch how the fact that God says the grace of God has set us free, not because everything's done away with, but simply because the judge himself said, yep, you're guilty, but I am the Deciding you're going free. Watch what Romans does. He said, but God shows his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I'm still a goofball, while I'm still making a mess, while I'm still not worthy, Jesus came and died for me. He didn't wait for me to get it right. He didn't wait for me to do it perfect. No, he saw who I was and that I'd never make it to him. And he said, you know what? I'm going to dawn. What's that moment? In your life that is so marked by joy that your life is transformed. No doubt you probably have plenty of them. One of mine is in Chimpley, Florida, behind the McDonald's, under an old gospel tent in September of 1992, where Jesus showed up. And he didn't walk in and wait for me to say, hey, Jesus, I've been looking for you. No, no, no. Jesus showed up that night under that old gospel tent to a lost sinner standing in a bloody meat coat who had no idea what was happening except for his wife was leaving him and said, I've been looking for you. He came to me. My life's marked by that moment. I can drive you and several of the guys I have to the very spot. I remember God showing up. And saying, I've been looking for you. There's not a naughty list or a good list that we have to work hard to escape or earn. The gift of God's grace is offered to us generously and and, and without price. Because we could never afford it. This is why the characters in in, in the Christmas story are so overjoyed. They're overjoyed. They are overjoyed. From the shepherds, come on church, to Simeon at the temple, the long-awaited arrival of the Messiah meant that God had finally come to rescue us. Joy. Joy. Here's the deal. God comes to us because he's more committed to our transformation than we are. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. God is still working to transform your heart. And the sooner you submit to his transformation power, the sooner you're going to find more joy. And the sooner you find the joy of the Lord, the sooner you're going to feel strength restored into your life. Amen. To continue to walk like you're supposed to. Stop making excuses for why you don't have any joy. Amen. And start owning the fact that God didn't wait for you to be happy to show up. Number two, God loves us just the way we are. And way too much to leave us that way. Come on, church. See, that's a misnomer in modern-day Christianity because we like to stop short half-sentence. God loves us just the way we are. We want to talk about that changing stuff. John tells us that through Jesus, we see the glory and the fullness of God. His arrival should fill us with joy. 
Not only did God come close, but he came because he loved us. Do you understand it wasn't a burden for Jesus to die? The Bible says to us, for the joy set before him, despising the shame and enduring the cross. Come on, church. The joy set before him. Do you understand that Jesus loving you isn't a burden? You ever feel like you're a burden to God? Y'all better be honest. Don't make me make you stand up. You ever feel like your mess is just a burden? Like God helped you clean it up once and you just made the mess again. I'm just a burden. I don't know why I do it. God came along and helped me clean it up and I just made a mess again. I don't know. Eventually God's going to stop. Come on somebody. We just feel like, man, I can't help myself, but I always mess. I don't mean to. It just happens and now I'm in a mess again. And God's probably not going to want to hear it this time. God's probably not coming again this time. Listen, the Bible says that God comes to us full of grace and truth. Grace means God comes to give us his unmerited favor. The truth is I love you so much. I don't intend to leave you the way I found you. Come on, church. I'm not who I used to be. And I ain't yet who I'm going. Y'all not helping me this morning. You are loved by God. Not just tolerated or put up with. Come on, you, you ever get a gift from somebody in your family that you know they don't love you. They just tolerate you. They don't give you a gift because they love you. They give you a gift because they drew your name out of a hat. I'm not against drawing names. I get the reason. But Jesus didn't draw my name out of a hat one day and go, oh, that's why I got to go die? It's Christmas. I got Don's name. (laughs) Holy Spirit, you got Breno. Good luck. (laughs) Especially if Argentina wins. (laughs) Excuse me. Abiding joy. Come on, somebody. That's the joy the scripture talks about, abiding. Do you know what the word abide means? It means to dwell. It means to live. It means that's its residence. You, you see what I'm saying? Like my, my wife and I, our anniversary is in April, but um, you know Easter is right there, and we're getting ready for graduation in May. Come on, our first Bible college students are going to graduate in May. And we're going to have a big party on a Sunday morning. And, 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 and I I'm, I'm almost nailed it down. David McFarlane, which is head of Billy Graham Ministries for all of Canada, is probably going to be here. Uh, that, i got to get ready for that. And so my wife and I were talking like, when our 31st wedding anniversary is coming up in, 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 in April. And maybe 31's not big for you. But let me tell you why 31's big for me. Because in September of 1992, when my wife was packing her bags and leaving, Jesus showed up and saved my soul and let me keep my wife and my kids. So 31 years is big deal for Don. So we're thinking about going to Mexico. Go to Mexico for a week in February. Come on, somebody. Leave Michigan in February. You go to Mexico, leave, leave, leave the white snow of Michigan for the white beach of Cancun. <laughs> Dwelling place. I'm going to go visit Mexico, but I don't live there. You see, much of your life as a Christian is spent believing that God just visits you. Every once in a while when it's convenient for him or whether you've been good enough to great... Come on, somebody. 
But that's not the teaching of the Scripture. And that's why you don't have abiding joy, because you don't have the revelation that because of Christmas, you have an abiding Savior. Abiding joy, dwelling joy, joy that's there and can't be robbed. Jesus came to us full of grace. That's the key to understanding abiding joy. Favor, kindness, that's what John is writing about. It's a gift of blessing, church. It's, it's, it's like a, a wrapped gift shared from uh, someone that brings joy to our heart. This is the gift of grace from God. That's who Jesus is. We haven't earned it. We don't deserve it. But God offers it to us. And when we recognize that, it fills us with joy. God loves us just the way we are and too much to leave us that way. Can I say this to us at Christmas? Joy is a result of grace and truth. And I realize that grace is a word that shows up in church a lot. But that's because it's the way we should live. God sent Jesus to a manger in Bethlehem because he wanted to dwell among us to demonstrate his grace and life-changing truth. And we can experience joy in our lives no matter the circumstances because we can be confident in knowing that God is with us. And if God is with us, who or what can be against us? If God is for me, who or what? I want you to understand something. There is a marvelous medicinal power of joy. You ever walk in a room where you are late to the punchline, but everybody in the room is laughing? And you stand in there, and you're like, you got no idea why they're laughing, but they're laughing so hysterically that just in a few minutes, you start laughing, and you're like, I got no idea why they're laughing. Because joy is contagious. That's why a Christian's life should be marked by it. Joy is contagious. The truth of the matter is most medicines that you take taste horrible. Come on. Some of you young people know that cough medicine your grandma tried. Listen, some KO pectate. Listen, my grandmother used to make us eat cream of tartar tablets. You, you guys don't know what that is. It's sulfur. Because you'd be sick and she's like, oh, you got poison in your blood. Eat this tablet. And you'd eat all those sulfur tablets and pretty soon you start sweating. And I mean, you would never smell like, come on, somebody. <laughs> Tastes horrible. I'd rather eat a bar of soap. I, I did. I, 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 I ate a bar of soap. Not, well, at least I had to bite into one one time. And my grandma was trying to clean my mouth out. <laughs> the medicinal power of joy tastes, come on, somebody. Not only does it taste good to us, it's just so comforting to our heart. If one downcast spirit can cause chaos in a house, what can one joyous heart do? The grace of joy is contagious. Come on up here, worship team. You know what? You know what joy is? Holy joy is the oil to the machine of your life. Come on, somebody. Holy joy will stretch you from your daily labor and strengthen you to make. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over other people's lives. Here's the truth. You'd rather hang out with somebody who's joyful than someone who ain't. This Christmas, I hope we come to find the heart of God through deep abiding joy. Joy is what holds the power to change our life and change the world. And a believer's life should be marked by it. And that is why it's one of the focuses of the Advent season. Joy. Joy. I need you to understand that this Christmas season, it was no burden on God to do what he did on your behalf. And that when we see the manger, unless we also see the cross, 
we miss the significance of the first. Come on, church. I read a book one time titled, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? The Implications of One Child. His birth comes to give us joy. And that's why in that moment, all of the Bible characters were overcome with joy. Because the long-awaited Messiah had come. Their life was marked by this moment. And let me tell you how powerful this moment is. This moment so powerful. That men we call wise men. We typically say they were three because they brought frankincense and myrrh and gold. But there were probably more than three. And their journey wasn't one day. The Bible says that when they found Jesus, he was a toddler. They followed a light. Not on a burden, but because they understood the prophecies and the joy that would come. That if that prophecy was true and they had to come and see for themselves. Now let me, let me help you understand. These magi were not Hebrews. They were pagans. More probably to the place to where they studied the stars and they practice divination. Pagan wizards saw the light and traveled a couple years until they found him. Why? For the joy of seeing him. I don't want to ruin your nativity. Let me tell you why. It's important to see the wise man in the nativity. Because Jesus came and was born for them too. And they represent those who are far off but have been brought near. Because of the birth of Christ. Oh, you're you're not ready for Christmas. Will you stand with me? Why does the joy we experience in life seem to be so circumstantial? I, again, this week, you're going to go the whole week, and this is our week of Advent called Joy. And it's not just a Sunday service. It's supposed to happen for you all week for you to meditate on joy. Meditate on joy. Why? Here's the questions. Why does the joy we experience in life seem to be so circumstantial? How is the incarnation so unique to the Christian faith? Does it shape your idea of the forgiveness of sin? When was a moment in your life that was marked by joy that it transformed who you are? How can your deep abiding joy impact the world around you? You see, Christmas is about joy to the world. I said Christmas is about joy to the world I already got joy because I met him and he changed me Christmas is about joy to the world can I say it's the greatest season to let your joy be your greatest evangelistic tool who are you (laughs) I'm full of grace and truth and joy because of the work of Christ and so Father, I just want to pray over this word to us this morning. That in this place, 
we admit to you that our joy can often be circumstantial. Help us, Lord, to have abiding joy because of Christmas and the birth of Christ. And this week, Lord, as we ponder on that joy, we want to celebrate that gift. In Jesus' name. And everyone said.